All right, so we are carrying on with our Be Attitude series, um, and I'm going to ask Michael to come and read to us the passage. So this is Matthew 5 in the ESV, and uh, it says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thanks, mate. That's good. <clears throat> so yeah, we're working through this Be Attitude series and these, these Be Attitudes, they point us towards Jesus. They all point us to who he is, to what he can do and to, to what he's already done for each and every one of us. And we looked two weeks ago at the, the theme of blessed are the meek and how actually Jesus embodies meekness and meekness is, is not weakness Meekness is strength under control and with guidance. And here again this week, we see another characteristic of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Webster's Dictionary defines mercy as compassion or forbearance. That essentially means letting someone off the hook for a debt or an obligation. <clears throat> compassion or forbearance shown, especially to an offender, an enemy or other person in one's power. And you know, we live in a pretty unmerciful world, don't we? I think we live in this, this kind of world that, that doesn't like to show mercy. And I don't know, maybe you're th- sitting there this morning and thinking, I'm pretty merciful. I show mercy to people. But what about the person who, uh, who cuts you up on the motorway? What about the waitress who... Uh, forgets to bring you a drink and doesn't go the extra mile for you when you're, when you're out for dinner? What about the other half who forgets to do the dishes again? Are we showing mercy to those people? Perhaps not all the time. And so we need to look to Jesus for all of these Beatitudes and for this one as well. We need to look to Jesus because Jesus is mercy. Jesus is mercy. Mercy is how he saw us in the, the sin that we were living in. Mercy is how he sees us in our brokenness and in our pain. Mercy is who he is. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
And as we look at this, this theme of, of mercy, we're actually moving into the, the second half of the, the Beatitudes, the eight Beatitudes, and you can split them in half with, with different themes. And one to four, they focus on our vertical relationship with God. And as we move into the second half, five to eight, that's more about our horizontal relationship with other people. And we'll, we'll see that over the next few weeks. And so Beatitude number five, blessed are the merciful. It speaks to those who show mercy. But those who show mercy are also those who have already received mercy. And so as we move into this second half of the the Beatitudes, we can see that actually it is mercy to be emptied of your pride and be brought to a, a condition of being poor in spirit. It is mercy to be brought to a place of of mourning over our spiritual condition. It's mercy that that allows us to receive the grace of meekness and to become gentle. It is mercy that makes us hunger and thirst for righteousness. And in order, I think, to fully understand this, this theme, once again, we have to just remind ourselves who we were before Christ entered our lives. We need to remind ourselves who we are without Christ and and look at this idea and this theme of justice. Justice is getting what you deserve based on what you've done. That is what justice is. We've got the justice system that brings criminals into order. You do something wrong, you pay for it. That is what justice is. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. And so that means that because of what we've said, because of what we've done, because of how we've treated people, because of the things we've thought in secret, because of the lies that we've told, because of the hurt that we've caused, because of all of that stuff, according to justice, that means we deserve death. That's a cheery thought for Mother's Day, isn't it? Happy Mother's Day, everyone. We deserve death. That is who we are. That is who we are without Christ. But mercy is who God is. Mercy is who God is. And it's mercy that is the lens through which he sees you and me as followers of Christ. He sees us through mercy. And so if justice is getting what we deserve based on what we've done then mercy is not getting what we deserve because of what he's done. And grace, if we're going to go a little bit further as a side note, is getting what we don't deserve because of what he has done. It says in Psalm 103, He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. According to justice, we deserve punishment. We deserve death. But when we accept Jesus as our king, we receive mercy. We get life. And so as we go through this study of the Beatitudes, what we're we're getting is a glimpse into the heart and the character of Jesus and also into the heart and the character 
of our Heavenly Father. And the challenge then for us is not just to hear this and to, to sit in church on a Sunday and, and hear this teaching, but actually to leave this place and begin to live these Beatitudes out in our own lives. And that's where the rubber hits the road and it becomes to, a little bit challenging for us. And the truth is that this fifth Beatitude, blessed are the merciful, is no different. It says in Luke 6, you are to be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So the example was given to us by God. The example was lived out to us by the person of Jesus. But that was not just for us to look at and go, that is amazing, that is lovely, aren't we so, uh, so grateful for what we have received? We then need to live it out. We then need to show mercy to those around us. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more this, this morning. And Jesus continues in that verse, he says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And I love that, that this idea, this theme is mirrored in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Where it says that we should, that God, will you forgive us our sins as we forgive others? Not just forgive me my sins because I've done wrong, but also help me to forgive other people. And forgiveness can be hard, can't it? Forgiveness can be a challenge and some things are harder to forgive than others in our humanity and that's the truth of it, isn't it? But the reminder here in the, in the Lord's Prayer, which you know perhaps is a, a pattern for how we should pray daily, and so this is a, a daily reminder that when we're asking God to forgive us, don't forget that we should also be asking him to help us forgive other people. And this is a principle that, that God wants us to live by. You can read through scripture and see this theme of mercy and this theme of forgiveness flows throughout scripture. Not just that we receive it, but also that we give it. And the truth is that unforgiveness keeps us bound, but forgiveness sets us free. Unforgiveness shuts us in, but forgiveness lets us out. And without the mercy of forgiveness, pain and hurt can linger in our lives far longer than they should. And, you know, although forgiveness can be hard and it can be challenging and it can be complex and there's, there's all kinds of, of things that go with this theme of, of forgiveness, of us forgiving people from the hurt that they have, have caused us. Forgiveness leads to restoration. Forgiveness leads to healing. It leads to freedom. And it's something that we need to live out because blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And know this, you'll never be asked to forgive someone more than God has forgiven you. You'll never be asked to forgive someone more than God has forgiven you or forgiven me. And so when Jesus is teaching us how to pray by saying, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, this is a daily reminder for us. Not just, you know, once a month or once. This is a daily reminder for us that we should forgive others. But also it's a daily reminder to us to remember how much God has forgiven each and every one of us. 
If you call yourself a follower of Christ this morning, God has forgiven you for everything that you have done and for everything that you ever will do. He has forgiven you. And so we pray for, to thank him for that and also to give us the power to forgive others. How merciful is our God. And there are variations, aren't there, on that, that line in the prayer, depending on what generation you grew up in, in church, as to how you pray the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know, I've sat in some of our kids' um, serve, uh, like assemblies, and uh, they're praying the Lord's Prayer, and I'm like, I don't know the words to this, because it's, it's slightly different. But there's, two, there's different versions of it. And in this particular line, there's different words that we use, and sometimes it's trespasses. And sometimes it's debts and sometimes it's, it's sins. But a pretty close translation of that word that these, these Bible translators are trying to put into our language is bankruptcy. That's a pretty close translation. It's about taking and clearing and wiping away an unpayable debt. There is nothing there is nothing that we can say. There's nothing that we can do to clear this debt that's being referred to in this prayer. Nothing that we can do in our own strength to, to clear this debt, to wipe away all of the bad stuff that we've done, all of the horrible stuff that we are going to do, even when we try our very best to be good people. There's nothing we can do to clear that away. But Jesus... But Jesus, who came to earth, who lived a perfect life, who died that perfect death, who rose again three days later, he wiped away all of that debt. We're debt free. We're forgiven because of him. Because of him. And I think there's a danger here that actually where we where we perhaps think that there's something that we can do in our own strength to, to almost earn this forgiveness, where we feel like maybe there's something that we can say if I just make sure that I say my prayers every day and I make sure that I do a good deed every day, if I, if I strive in some sense to, to earn my forgiveness, the danger is that then we'll expect other people to earn our forgiveness. But that's not the principle being taught in the Beatitudes. It's not, you know, I will earn my mercy so others can earn mercy from me. It is that we have received such mercy as a free gift. And so we should be merciful with no strings attached. That no matter what they've done, no matter what they've said, no matter how deep the hurt lies, that we should be merciful in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, our sins and our debts, that bankruptcy, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, I have been saved. Can we just pause and take a minute to thank God for the mercy that we have received? We need to remind ourselves daily how merciful God is to us. Let's never forget. Let's never take for granted his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, that he has wiped our debts clean, that he has wiped it clean. He's removed it from us. It is no longer hanging over our heads like a dark cloud. It is gone. We are free. 
when we accept him as our Lord and Saviour. The merciful receive mercy. The forgiven forgive. And we've been forgiven. It's interesting if we, if we just stick with the Lord's Prayer for a, for a minute that Jesus gives us this teaching on how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us our daily bread. Help us to forgive other people. Lead us not into temptation. Yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. And he finishes that teaching of how we should pray. And then immediately after, he just jumps back and he says, okay, I've taught you the principle of how to pray, but let me just jump back a second and remind you of just one line from that prayer. He just pulls out one line from this prayer. And he says in Matthew 6, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. So he's given us this, this pattern, this format, this outline of how we should pray. And it's all important because it begins with worship and adoration. It runs through the way in which we should be living our lives. It, it asks God for help to not, uh, for us to not fall into temptation, into sin. To remind ourselves to be thanking him that all the glory and power is his. But then he jumps back and he says... You've got that, but let me just remind you of one point. Forgive. Let me just remind you of the importance of forgiveness. That if you forgive other people, then I will forgive you. If you forgive, I will forgive you. If you don't, and that's the flip side that's kind of scary, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. We've got to be living out forgiveness. And, and Peter goes on just a little bit later on. He has this conversation with Jesus and he says, OK, Jesus, I hear you a, a number of times talking about the importance of forgiveness. And I get that. I understand it. I see the importance. But then he just kind of asks Jesus a question. He says, but what if they do it again? And what if they do it again? And what if they do it again? How many times should I be giving away this forgiveness? How many times should I forgive someone who has hurt me? Is it seven times? He's almost stretching, flexing himself a little bit. Should I go as far as to forgive them seven times? Surely after that, we just write them off as a bad, a bad seed. But Jesus says no. He says 77 times or 70 times seven times, depending on which translation you, you read. He's saying, don't limit your forgiveness. Don't get hung up on the number and say, well, 77 times has passed. I'm writing it. He's saying, don't limit your forgiveness because I haven't limited my forgiveness. We've got to forgive and forgive and keep on forgiving even when they do it again and again and again, even when the pain lingers and we forgive and it still lingers and we forgive and it still, we've got to keep on forgiving. And then Jesus goes on and he, he tells this story that many of us will know well about a king who forgives a man a debt. And it's not just any debt. This is a big debt. It describes it as 10,000 
talents. And in real money, that's the equivalent of Oprah Winfrey's net worth, 3.5 billion pounds. I don't know about you, but I cannot fathom that amount of money. It doesn't compute in my brain. And so this king says to this servant, I will forgive you of that debt, that debt that was crippling, that debt that was the dark cloud hanging over you that you were living under. I will wipe it clean. It is gone. We are all good. And then the same servant, he goes out almost immediately and finds someone who owes him some money. And this amount of money is the equivalent to about 10 grand. Still a lot of money, but not an unimaginable amount of money. This now is a debt that can probably be paid. We can work out a payment plan over the next few years to cover 10 grand. It might be hard, but we can do it. And he's like, you owe me this money. You've got to pay up right now. And the guy's like, I can't pay up. Can we just work? No, right now. And then the king gets wind of what's happened and he grabs this servant whose massive, unimaginable, crippling debt he just wiped clean and says, that's it. Get in jail. And he says to him, shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I have had mercy on you? You should be showing the same mercy that I have shown you. And James takes this even further. He says, so you must show mercy to others or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. And that brings us back round to this, this theme of, of judgment, of receiving what we deserve. And the truth is that all of us, not just all of us in this building, but everyone in this world will one day face judgment. We will all stand in the throne room of God in front of Almighty God and have to make account for our lives. We will all face judgment. The question is, what will that moment look like for you and for me? When we stand in front of God, what is that going to look like for us? How are we treating other people? Is the way in which we are loving other people the same in which God has loved us? Is the mercy that we are showing to other people the equivalent to the amount of mercy with which we have received from our God? Or are we heaping judgment on other people? Have we received the gift of this, this debt wiped clean in our lives and then running after someone who owes us a few pounds and saying, pay up right now? Withholding that forgiveness from someone who's, who's hurt us a little bit when the truth is that we have hurt God so badly and yet he forgave us. He didn't pause and think about it for a minute. He didn't weigh up the, the pros and cons of what it would be like to forgive us. He just looked at us and he loved on us and he had compassion for us. And he said, I forgive you. I forgive you. So how are we treating others? And I hope and I pray that when we stand before God, we will be judged based on having loved too much rather than having judged too harshly. Because that's how we're that's how we're called to live. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, What does the Lord require of you? What does he require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with your God. What this is saying is we are called to the ministry of mercy. We are called to be agents of mercy in a world that loves to criticize and to condemn and to cancel. We are called to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly. Paul writes to the Corinthians, so from now on, and that is for us, when we leave this building today, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And that worldly point of view is one that, that tries to separate us, tries to take us apart from each other. And, and you're in this group and you're in this group and you're different. And so you shouldn't get along and they pit us against each other. And all kinds of influences come into us from the media and from the, the society that we are living in. But we are not to regard each other from a worldly point of view. We need to be looking through the lens of Jesus, through the lens of mercy. We need to see what Jesus sees. Paul writes, though we were once regarded, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. That's because of the mercy which he has shown us. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled himself to us through Christ. It's this theme of reconciliation. And I'm not a numbers guy. In our household, Ruth does our finances. She manages all the bills. She knows when things come in, when things go out. I literally have no idea. Not a clue. Spending money, I can do that. Keeping tabs on where it is in our bank account, not, not so much. Thanks for doing all that for us. But my dad, he was a numbers guy. He loved numbers. He loved spreadsheets. Uh, after he passed away, we were digging through some, some files of his and we found spreadsheets on spreadsheets on spreadsheets, things that you did not know you would need to keep spreadsheets for. He kept spreadsheets based on who they had received Christmas cards from. <laughs> he loved a spreadsheet. But he loved numbers. And so every month, at the end of the month, he would sit down with his laptop, with his spreadsheet open, and he would reconcile his bank statements with his bank balance. He would get all the receipts out and, and look at his bank statement and make sure that it all married up, that it all reconciled. And the idea of this, this theme of reconciliation is that actually, if you've done it right, at the end, everything comes down to zero. It all comes down to zeros at the bottom. And, and that's a picture of reconciliation that we're hearing Paul write about in his letter to the Corinthians that actually God has, has balanced out our, our receipts versus our account and it's all come down to zero. Not because of us, not because of what we've done, but because Jesus came down and he cleared that debt. He paid those bills. And so we are all zeros. We are all good. It has been reconciled because of him. And Paul goes on and gives us, he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And so we, as followers of Christ, we who have received such incredible mercy are now called to take out and to run with the ministry of reconciliation, 
of bringing people's balance down to zero. You know, I think I've probably told you this before or maybe something similar, but I've got a friend who loves a side hustle. For those of you who don't know, a side hustle is a job on the side of your main job, brings in a little bit of extra income, bit of pocket money for you to spend. He loves a side hustle, always got something on the go. Whether that's, So it's often just buying and selling things. So he'll buy in golf clubs. He went through a phase of doing Le Creuset pans. Uh, he's now onto camera equipment. He just buys stuff where people don't understand the value of them or they just want a quick sale, cleans them up a bit, flogs them on for a small fortune. He's always got this thing going on. And he told me a while ago that, that he found a guy on Facebook Marketplace selling some paddle boards at a stupidly cheap price. And so he bought a couple of paddle boards for him and his wife and he got them home and he opened them up and he realized they were brand new. And they were really good quality. And he'd got them for a steal. And so, I'm not kidding, like within minutes of getting home, he's back on the phone to the guy, have you got some more? Can I buy some more? He's thinking, side hustle, I can make some money out of this. And so he buys three more off the guy and he sells them on Marketplace and he makes enough money to cover the two that he bought to keep and a bit of profit on the side. Now, when I heard this, I like a bit of paddle boarding. When I heard this, I was like, dude, why didn't you tell me? Like he had a job lot, he had loads of them. I was like, why didn't you just let me in on this? Why didn't you cut me in on this, man? I, I'd have invested some money, bought some paddle boards, flogged them on, made a bit of money, and been left with a couple of, I'd have been in all over that like a rash. What, why didn't you tell me? If we know something like that, why would you not tell someone? And yet how much greater is the news of the gospel? How much greater is the mercy that we have received from Jesus? And if we know, and we don't even need to invest a little bit in order to get this, there's no buying to make a profit. There's no spending money to make money in this scenario. We have got this free gift of unconditional mercy that our unpayable debt can be wiped clean, free of charge, with no effort from ourselves, if we know that and we truly grasp hold of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, why would we not tell anyone who would listen? Guess what? Even though we've messed up, even though we've made, I can get us out of it. Or at least I know the guy who can. Let me tell you about Jesus. Come with me to church. Let's talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. Why would we not tell others about Jesus? God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And now he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. It's time for us to tell other people about this. We can't just keep hold of it for ourselves. We can't just sit here comfortably and think, I'm all good now. My debts are clear. I am home free. Yeah, you are. But let's bring everyone else on for the ride. We've got to bring people with us because guess what? Telling others about this won't reduce the amount of mercy that you receive. There is plenty of mercy to go around. It's like Oprah. I don't know why she's appearing so much in this. You get a car. You get a car. You get mercy. You get mercy. You're forgiven. You're... There's so much to go around. No one is going to miss out on this. Those who show mercy receive mercy.
And so we need to show mercy to people. And not just, I'm not just talking about that guy who cut us up on the motorway. I'm not just talking about that waitress who, who failed us or messed up our order. We need to show mercy to the people who really hurt us. The people who've done some serious damage. The people that left us go into therapy. The people that, that sent you into a spiral of depression. The people who maybe left you financially crippled. The people who left you scarred. We need to be forgiving those people. That is this ministry of reconciliation that we are, are called to. That is this, this idea of, of showing mercy. Not just showing mercy to anyone, to everyone who has hurt us, no matter how much the pain has caused us. And we know that this is true. We know that this is true because once again, we look to Jesus as our example. Jesus, who did no wrong during his life and ministry on earth, and yet was sent to die. And when Jesus was nailed to a cross, and when he was hoisted up into the air, naked, beaten, broken and ashamed, and he hung there looking at the people who had put him there, the first words out of his mouth, the very first thing that he said, Father, forgive them. Not, I can't believe that you've put me here. After everything that I've done, you've sent me to die. He didn't pour out judgment. He didn't heap on them shame. He didn't point the finger or hurl abuse at them. He hung there and he said, forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus is mercy. And so we need to show mercy to, to those who hurt us. No matter how big the hurt, no matter how big the pain, we need to show mercy to those people. That unconditional mercy. The mercy that doesn't require them to earn it, but they can have it freely because that's the mercy that we have received from God. And secondly and finally, we need to show mercy to ourselves. Maybe someone this morning needs permission almost to show mercy to yourself. Maybe you're thinking and feeling guilty for the things that you've done wrong, the things that you've said, the times that you've moved away from God, the, the times that you've maybe chosen not to do the right thing even though you knew what you should have done and you're, you're feeling like, I don't deserve this gift of mercy. Well, I want you to take some encouragement from what Paul writes to Timothy this morning. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, even though all of that, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying, he says, that deserves full acceptance. I want us all this morning to accept this statement, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul writes, of whom I am the worst. And so maybe this morning you're feeling like, I am the worst of sinners. I have messed up so badly. 
I have made so many mistakes. I am that person who has done it again and again and again. And yet this is true. That Christ came to forgive you and to forgive me. Not once, not even seven times, but 70 times seven. There is no end to God's forgiveness. If you mess up, even though you know you shouldn't have done it and you've messed up again, don't wallow in that. Don't sit in that. Don't feel like you are not worthy of God's love because he loves you unconditionally. And so in that moment of despair, when you're feeling, I'm sorry, I've done it again. You know, the temptation of the enemy is to be like, You've done it again. You do not deserve it. He will not forgive you another time. And yet the truth of the gospel is, pick yourself up. Look to Jesus. Say you're sorry and he has already forgiven you. Jesus came to set you free. He doesn't want you in pain. He wants you in freedom. He doesn't want you in sin and guilt. He wants you to be free. He wants to set us free. Those of us who are caught up in this this idea of unforgiveness, he wants to set you free because unforgiveness is just uh, chains around us that hold us back from living in the fullness of his plans and his purpose. So where we're struggling to, to show mercy to those who have hurt us, God is saying right now this morning, forgive, forgive, let it go. Move on. I have forgiven you. And so you too must forgive. And he wants to set us free. Those of us who are struggling to show mercy to ourselves. He's saying, it doesn't matter. I still love you. I still love you. And so I pray this morning that that as we hear this theme, that blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy, that actually we will leave this place understanding and knowing the truth of the amount of mercy we have received and with a willingness to fulfill this ministry of reconciliation where we show mercy and where we bring people along and say, look at what you can have. Look at this free gift that is available to each and every one of us. Let's pray. So, Father God, we just thank you for your incredible mercy. That while we were still sinners, you forgave us. That, God, you created this incredible plan that meant that we didn't need to face death, but that we can have life in you. Jesus, we thank you for the example that you lived out where you just heaped mercy on everyone who would listen that you chose to hung around with the, those deemed the worst of the worst and you poured out your love and your grace and your mercy. And me, the worst of sinners, you pour out your mercy on me. And so we receive once again that gift of mercy this morning. I pray that each and every one of us will receive that gift of mercy and that as we leave this place and we enter into our worlds, our sphere of influence, our friendship groups, our families, our workplaces, our colleges, that 
that God, you will help us to show mercy like you have shown us mercy. Give us the strength to forgive. And give us the boldness to bring people along, to, to tell them about this gift that is available to them. Amen.